0: Well, another exciting week in athletics, the NBA playoffs are here and some teams faring much better than others. As per usual in the first round, after the play-in games have been set, major league baseball is often running a surprising coach retirement in NCAA basketball. Even though we thought we were done talking that and nothing circles the wagons quite like the national football league. As we know every week when we do this show but we get to talk NBA basketball and the playoffs. We haven't had an opportunity to give our predictions and really dive into what people want to hear. Who wins what we're already taken off in the first round. And some series seemingly are on their way to being decided as sometimes happens. Is there anything thus far that has surprised you over two games in most of these series? Some of them three still early enough, but we are getting to the point for some teams where it's must win territory anything stand out to you so far in the NBA playoffs from what we've seen?
1: Well, first of all, John, welcome back. Uh, always great to be back with our fans and friends. Uh, the, the, look, injuries last year played a huge role, which we talked about ad infinitum throughout the postseason. We'll get to the fact that they've reared their ugly head again in the last couple of games, which could have a huge impact on what I thought would be a rematch of last year's finals, but injuries aren't a surprise in terms of how certain teams are playing. So, I am not surprised that the Celtics are up 2 0 because they're the two seed, the Nets are the seven seed. Yes, people thought it would be an incredibly rough draw to take on this net team, which is got Durant right? and got goofball Kyrie. But the thing that has been surprising is that. One of the best players in the NBA has had two of his worst playoff games you will ever want to see. And just shocking at how bad Kevin Durant has been in games one and two. Game one, Celtics in control. Nets rally. Looks like they've got the game. They had a brilliant performance by Kyrie Irving. Down the stretch, Celtics come back. Down three, execute good and quick. Bucket, get a stop, force KD into a desperation three-pointer, and then go down and they catch the net snapping, especially Kevin Durant and Kyrie on defense. A, a tremendous play, absolutely tremendous by A guy I've criticized quite a bit in his career in Marcus Smart. Doesn't settle for the three, doesn't settle for the jump shot, makes the pump fake, the penetration, the, draws the defense, makes the great dish for the wing Game two, Nets go way up early. Celtics come back and take over the game in the fourth quarter with a big-time run. Nets can't score. Bad game from Kyrie, but as bad a game as you will ever see from Kevin Durant. They were combined one for 17 in the second half. Am I surprised that Kyrie had a brilliant first game and a mediocre second game? No, but I am shocked at Kevin Durant having a bad first game and an otherworldly awful second game. In which, other than getting to the final line and making these free throws, which he did, he he's not looking old. He's looking, I don't want to even use the term intimidated, but he's getting roughed up. He's getting knocked around. He's getting doubled. They're playing physical with him, and he's not handling it well. He's missing shots we usually see him always make. You know, the 16-foot pull-ups, wide-open threes. Uh, contested jumpers. with their, We're used to seeing him shoot over people and knock them down. Granted, Boston had the highest defensive efficiency rating in the National Basketball Association. However, you're the superstar. You're the top 10 players, a, a suit to be top 10 player thought by Matt, top 15 player. He's not playing like one. And is he entitled to a bad game? Is he entitled to two? Absolutely. But as I said earlier tonight to Tom Burke, when you say we can't compare errors, you know, well, those guys couldn't play in this era. and Everybody now is so much better. This is an example when I say you can compare errors. Because the, what they did to Kevin Durant last night and have been doing in this series is what was done to great players until recently. You brutalized them. You beat them up. You knocked him down, you pushed him around, you did everything possible if the referees would let you get away with You doubled him, you pressured him, you moved him off the ball, you bodied them. And if you were Kobe Bryant, and if you were Michael Jordan, and if you were Larry Bird, or Magic Johnson, or Tim, Tim Duncan, or Shaquille, although Shaquille was tough to body, but the point, you had to deal with it. You had to deal with the physical aspect of the game in the 80s and the 90s and early 2000s until the rules changed dramatically where you can't get touched. You know, James Harden can go to the line 25 times because you coughed on him. The game has changed. I'm not saying Kevin Durant's not a brilliant player. He absolutely is. He's one of the all-time offensive players I've ever seen, the things he can do with his skill set at his size, his ability to get his shot, score from anywhere he wants, score against good defense. But he is now getting defended the way big-time players used to be defended. He's being bumped. He's being bruised. He's being moved off his spot. He's being felt uncomfortable, and he has not dealt with it well at all. He's looked weak, plain and simple. He's looked overpowered. He's looked clearly flustered. It's affected him in terms of the way they're playing him, and he has not adapted to it well at all. Are they the better team? No. No, the Celtics are the better team. The Celtics were the most dominant team in the NBA in the second half of the season. Now, what is interesting is the fact that the Celtics were beating everybody by 25, 30 points. Night after night after night after night. And yet, they have won two very close, hard-fought games, which bodes well for them. And I think this is an excellent test for them in terms of playing competitive basketball and how they execute down the stretch. And they have executed wonderfully well down the stretch. Clearly last night, when they got good shots, made good shots, got it from everybody. And Tatum was mediocre at best. It was literally everybody else, led by Jalen Brown, Peyton Pritchard, big spot for Marcus Smart. Williams knocking down a bunch of threes at the end of the first half to bring them back into the game. And, you know, the Nets got a little bit of that from their bench, too, and their supporting staff. You know, Brown, their supporting guests, Brown played well, uh, you know, Little Curry played well, but come the fourth quarter, it was just another collapse. Seems like they didn't score for a month and a half in that fourth quarter. They couldn't make a shot. They settled for a lot of jump shots and you know an eight-point lead disappeared in a heartbeat and the Celtics just took over the game. And they did everything right in terms of how they scored, where they scored, when they scored, who scored, a variety of different fashions, and the Nets couldn't make a shot. And to me, the most shocking thing is watching Kevin Durant literally be unable to make a shot in an entire fourth quarter of a huge playoff game coming off a miserable performance in the first one of those playoff games, which resulted in two losses, both of which they could have easily won. They could have won both games in Boston. Again, I didn't expect them to win this series. I was in fact in the minority. I thought they'd lose in five, not six. Five, six is always the pick. I like six, six, six. I thought they'd lose the series in five games. That may well happen now, but I am shocked at the way it has happened.
0: You've been watching sports for quite a long time, as we mentioned on the show, and that's why the show is aptly named the way it is. And I wanted to get your opinion and thoughts on what happened after Game One. Where Kyrie Irving in the game and then afterward clarifying his reaction to some of what the fans were saying, flipping the bird off to the Boston Celtics fans, telling one of them to eat a dick walking in the locker room. Now, we know the stigma around Boston fans in general and especially Celtics fans just normally the perception is racists, to be honest about it just throw the word right out and what people refer to them as they have no problem yelling every word in the book, whether they mean it or not, they'll yell it to try and get under the skin of a player or to just say it because they hate who that player is. I can only imagine the things that get yelled at Kyrie Irving at every game. And I can only imagine what those things are escalated at a Boston Celtics game, especially in the postseason in front of a packed house. So it's understandable that a normal person would have the reaction that he did getting called whatever that was. It might change a little bit, though, perception-wise when it's a professional athlete. And this is stuff that happens to them game in and game out. And unfortunately, they're supposed to just tune that stuff out. I mean, you're supposed to. Kind of be tuned out from it in general and focused on what's happening. We always hear athletes talk about, and we've experienced it, you get that kind of tunnel vision where you just don't hear anything happening around you. You're so focused at what's happening in the game, you have no idea what anybody's saying or doing outside of you. It's just silence while you're focused in on the moment. So one would think in general he shouldn't be hearing it anyway because you should be fo- so focused on the game, but also you can't fault him for hearing it when it's probably happening the entire time he's playing. It's just on the athletes. We feel as fans to turn that shit out as unfortunate as some things are probably getting yelled. So he had a reaction from it. He addressed it after the game. He ended up getting fined 50 K from the NBA, uh, expectedly. So, but had his two cents to go about it. And we moved on. What did you think of his reaction to the fans and kind of how he handled that situation? Because he is a vocal guy and he had, No problem to explain why he did what he did after game one.
1: Well, you wonder if it's ever going to end with Kyrie. We know he's a thoughtful, bright, sensitive young man. He's the first one to tell you that on a multiplicity of issues. But the point is, what do you expect? What do you expect from fans who you told you loved being there You wanted to stay there for the rest of your career. Then you turn tail and ran. Then you come back in and you stomp on the logo. And I understand we are in a much different time. Now the scenario is, you know, you can't blame a guy. Okay. When he goes after a fan, whether it's Russell Westbrook for people throwing popcorn or LeBron James, you know, uh, to, to a person in the front row, whatever the case may be, if they're being abusive in whatever form of language, they're being abusive. And, you know, Racial remarks obviously are unacceptable uh, at, at any point in time. However, it's Boston. Uh, would we expect anything less? When I was a kid, they threw light bulbs on the court, you know, when they were playing World Chamberlain in the 76ers. I remember the games having to be stopped on national TV. When they got the light bulbs, I was never quite sure, but, you know, they, they threw glass on the court that shattered. It's a rough crowd. And this is a guy who they loved. Who left them, came back, stomped on the leprechaun logo, and on top of everything else, is never at a loss for words. And is not ever afraid to tell you how smart he is. And goes out and plays terrific, but can't just play terrific. He's got to, you know, flip the you know, the crowd the bird continuously, you know, nonstop. One, going down the court, I can live with somebody in the front, or second or third row, when he knocks down a jump shot. But then it keeps going on, and you're behind the back, and you're after the game. And look, you talked about tunnel vision. The greatest of all time have it. Because that's part of being able to do what they do. How do, you, how do you perform that way? You play through it. You have the ability to Take everything and eliminate it. Tunnel vision. Absolutely tune it out. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, you know, name, name, name them. Right? They never went into crowds. They never went after anybody in a crowd, charging, okay, you know, claiming, you know, this. nothing affected them. Nothing affected them except sometimes the opponent. And it, they never let you know that it did because that was the show of weakness. Because if you allow yourself to be affected and admit that you're affected and show the opponent or the crowd that you can be affected in a negative fashion, you are showing weakness and you open the door for them to affect you. And the greatest of the greats never allow that to happen. That's the intestinal fortitude. That's the mental toughness that puts them above The crowd that makes them the greatest of the greats, not just the wonderful skill set or the wonderful athleticism that separates them from anybody else. But the work ethic, the focus, and the mental toughness, the focus, the ability to, through all aspects of competition, your opponent, the crowd, the referees, eliminate it all. We move it all from the equation, and focus only on what you and your teammates have to do to achieve. You get everybody gets affected, of course. Nobody's perfect; it's not a hundred percent. But you know, we like to talk about everybody's the greatest of all time. he's the greatest. This. He's the greatest. That. Right? When he's the that great? Guy, what, a, what a game! He's one of the greatest of all time. You know, he's the top twelve players, top fifteen. For you rate this guy? How about that guy? Let's put this guy. There. Being great is being great a lot. Not being great one game in a seven-game series. Not having three great games in 20. Being great means you are great more often than not. And that you're really good a lot of the other time. And then you rarely stink to join up. And I'm not saying that's Kevin Durant. I'm just saying, with respect to Kevin Durant, he's in two games where he stunk to join up. He's entitled. He's a great player. But you don't see Kevin Durant flipping the crowd off. You don't see Kevin Durant, you know, screaming at people in the front row. You don't see Kevin Durant blaming the crowd or the opponents, screaming, you know, in their buildings. It's not blaming anybody. But Kyrie Irving, it's always somebody else's fault. It's always about something that somebody else does, and it gets tiresome. It doesn't excuse the misbehavior by the Boston fans. They've always been this way. They're never going to change. They're rabid. They're racist. They're foul-mouthed. But, you know, the foul mouth you got to deal with. Fan is short for fanatic. We've said it a million times. The racist remarks are unacceptable. That should be dealt with by, you know, the people in Boston. That should be dealt with by the authorities. That should be dealt with by the people who run the building. Obviously, it's not. But it's not sensitivity training either. It's not for the faint of heart. This is what you do. (laughs) In in The Godfather 2, as the line says, this is the business we've chosen. And either you suck it up and you tune it out and you play to the best of your abilities to help your team with your teammates or you get affected negatively and you shrink. And at the end of the day, you lose. As a result, you you aren't one of the greatest players of all time. You can't be if you're affected that way. It has to be tuned out. It has to be eliminated. It has to be removed. Because part of being great is the great mental toughness. And all the greatest that we've talked about in any sport, whether it's the NBA, whether it's the NFL, whether it's MLB, is the ability to tune out the negative and focus on the positive. Crowds are always screaming. You know, it's not tennis. It's not golf. It's team sports where the crowds are there and they are screaming for their teams and they are screaming against the opponent. They're screaming vicious things. They hate you. They despise you. They want you to die. Plain and simple. They want anything bad possible to happen to you during that time frame. A lot of people will say, you know, I don't want to see a guy get hurt. Some fans couldn't care less if a guy gets hurt. It helps their team win. During that time frame, in that mindset, it's vicious. All you want is your team to win, and you don't care what happens to the other guy. That's the mindset. That's what you're playing against. Well, if you can't deal with that, then you're not going to be a champion. Because that's the way it goes in major league sports. It's vicious, man. And you got to be willing to stand up to it and you got to be willing to combat it. You got to be able to perform when it's at its highest. And if you can't
0: do that, it could be very
1: tough for you to be a champion.
0: Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the New Report, Old Report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato. And this is the New Report, Old Report it's been fascinating to kind of follow how Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have evolved both as basketball players and both as people, because they're two of the best basketball players in the world. I don't think people would argue with that, especially just in today's game. The argument changes a little bit when you talk about overall basketball history, but today's game, you can't argue that they're two great basketball players. They now happen to be playing on the same team because they chose to do so. Kevin Durant's Achilles injury derailed the season stepping on the three-point line, derailed the season. Now here they are both back. The vaccination status of the National Basketball Association could potentially derail another season. What's interesting about both of these guys is they're both vocal in their own way. KD goes after people on Twitter, whether in a good or bad way. He, He loves social media to see what people are saying about him, good or bad. And he'll get in the muck with the scumbags and anybody else that wants to go after him sometimes and attack them back and clap back at them and say, you think this? Well, how about that? He'll clap back to people at a game and yell at them too. Kyrie, we find out yesterday, the extreme, the exact same way, flipping people off during the game, not afraid to clap people back. I think that too, for some people, rubs them the wrong way because there's a lot of people that think they should just shut up. And dribble, as a famous person once stupidly said, they don't want to hear what they have to say after the game about what the fans had to say or see them on social media go after the fans or for Kyrie's case, some of the things he said just about life and what his beliefs are on some commonly believed things don't agree with him on that either. And it gets to the point where it's almost like they've cried wolf too many times and people are turned off by it and they don't care when something is actually serious. They say, well, here we go again. Kyrie's shooting his mouth off about something. What now? Here we go again. KD's shooting his mouth off about something. What now? Why don't you quit yapping and go win some basketball games is the mindset that a lot of people have. And for them, they do stick up for themselves They do like to trash talk a little bit. They do have that cockiness about them and you don't become one of the best basketball players in the world if you don't have that. But in the instance of now, when you do fall down 2-0 to Boston in the series, granted it was on the road. They say a series doesn't start in the NBA until you lose a game at home. We understand, but they're down 2-0. They played like garbage in game two and Kyrie flipped off the fans in game one. There's a lot of people out there just looking at that situation saying, good for them. I hope they fucking lose because people are sick of what's led up to this point. They don't want to hear from them off the court about their play and going after the public. They want to see them do something on it. And when they don't, because of what they've done off the court, they have no problem cheering them on to lose to the Boston Celtics. As somebody that doesn't have a rock in the fight, it doesn't matter for me who wins this series. It doesn't matter for me if if KD and Kyrie play well. I appreciate good play, and if they're going to drop 50, I'm going to watch with my jaw open at what they're doing on the court. So I'm not somebody that's going to go after them for what they've said or not go after them for. I'm just looking for them to play an exciting series against the Celtics, which is yet to happen yet. So I don't stand in the corner of either one like, yeah, they shouldn't be speaking their mind. We've had enough of their antics. Sometimes it's... Well, they've talked a lot of shit. It would be pretty cool to see them go back it up. But if they don't, they kind of get what's coming to them because they're all about the talk of how good they are. Well, go show us something. And you're right to say, are the Boston Celtics the better team? Yes. Sure, they have two of the best players on the Nets right now. But team-wise, Celtics are playing better basketball, and they showed it the first two games. Now, we'll see if that changes in Brooklyn. Not by much. You're right. Not by much. I mean, look, the Nets were the better team for... You know, forty of the forty-eight minutes
1: in Game Two. Some big shots, uh, you know, by, uh, by by Tatum, and bigger shots by Jalen Brown, who was really the man last night. If there was anybody, uh, Tatum's their superstar. But this is a Batman and Robin combination that I have loved from day one. When everybody said break them up, when the Celtics, you know, were struggling earlier in the year, I thought it was nonsense. When you've got two guys who are this good, this young uh, in their athletic prime and the abilities that they both have to do what they do, because this is the game now, guys this size are the game with the versatility that can score from anywhere on the floor. They can knock down the three, they can drive, they can finish, they can hit the pull up, they can guard twos, they can guard threes, they can guard fours even at times uh, because of their athletic versatility and their length. Uh, you don't break these guys up. You're crazy if you break these guys up. And now you're seeing the genius of my mindset. in are not breaking them up because it's a great one-two punch. I guess Tatum's a superstar and Brown is the supporting actor, but they can literally carry that entire offense when they play the game the way they're playing it now. That doesn't mean them scoring 70, but it means them, because of all the things they can do offensively, once they start moving the basketball, once it's not just dribble, 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 step back three, but cutting, moving, spacing, finding open teammates, trusting open teammates, playing with your head up, not always nonstop, one-on-one, isolation in the half court, but all movement and execution in big spots, concentration, focus, that's what they're both showing, making teammates better, uh, and getting a lot of stuff going in the basket instead of settling. That's part of their growth and their maturation as players. They're a wonderful combination together. I've said before, and I I will say it again, they might be the best pair of young players In their prime, that start together, and I'm excluding big and little. uh, Since you know the young KD and Russ were together uh, as kids and came up together at OKC, we watched them develop together. You know, into two great players. Uh, One, I I, want to call Russ an all-time player. He made the top 75, so I guess you can say two all-time players. Tatum has superstar stuff. Tatum is ready to be, you know, make the next step with uh, Devin Booker as regular MVP candidates year after year after year. The question is now, is this going to happen continually? I had them fifth and sixth on my MVP list this year. Are they going to keep pushing the envelope? Are they going to keep getting better? Are they going to keep rising? That's how... I what we talked about before, that's how you become great. You climb the ladder. It's not just he's great. Boom, he's great. It happens once in a while. You know, it it happened with LeBron. It happened pretty quick with Kobe. You know, it it happened with Magic. It happened with Bird. But those those are four of the top 20 players, arguably four of the top 10 players in the history of the game. Certainly four of the top 20 depending on where you want to put them. Will these guys climb that ladder? The opportunity is there. Part of it is continuing to grow, continuing to improve. Part of it is being injury-free, which transitions us right now to that injury suffered by Devin Booker when, as I have told you throughout this season, I thought it was the Suns and everybody else in the West with them having a slam dunk rollover, the easiest trip to the finals of any playoff contender. Now, the flavor of the month is the new Golden State Warriors with Steph Healthy in the, quote, death lineup, close quote. But Devin Booker out for up to three weeks suffering the hamstring loss or the hamstring injury, excuse me, in the Game 2 loss against the upstart Pels. What is your feeling now on the Suns and the West as a whole with this injury suffered by Devin Booker, which is you're not a three-game deal. I heard today, up to
0: three weeks. Right. I think they're lucky, if you could be lucky for something like this, that it happened when it did. Just because you would assume they'll still be okay to beat the Pelicans. Although one should never assume, because <laughs> CJ McCollum definitely has breathed life into that team, and now they're going home. He has. He absolutely has. It's been incredible. He is, he's he, almost like, I don't want to say,
1: I did not appreciate him. I'm gonna be honest. Uh he he is almost reborn in New Orleans from you know what was going on in Portland. He's 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 been brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Go ahead. Didn't mean to interrupt.
0: No, that's fine. And you know, Brandon Ingram coming into his own again. Great. The Lakers got rid of him and great that they didn't draft Jason Tatum and great. They don't have Alex Caruso. Everything's going great for the Lakers. It's not like the former guys that were on their team are performing well in the NBA playoffs and making it harder for us to watch because of that. No, it's been fine. Pelicans aren't going to be easy, but you give the Suns the benefit of the doubt. I don't want to say that they're again going to be lucky in the next round. Speaking of injuries, Luka Doncic being out for the Dallas Mavericks for the first three games, we're recording this while game three is happening and we'll see what happens at this current moment. It doesn't seem to matter because the Mavericks are still up by 12 against the Utah Jazz, but that could change, especially with the game being in Utah. We also know how vicious those fans are and excited we'll say for their team. So who knows how that series will fall but that's not opponents where you're necessarily, again, going to be incredibly frightened. Don, obviously, for both teams, Donovan Mitchell can go off, and Luca, of course, makes the Mavericks what they are. So if Luke is playing, if Dallas wins the series over the Jazz, now you're not as good feeling about it, but you're also just looking at the calendar, hoping that he can come back maybe toward the end of that second series. Because luckily, you're not having to face Golden State, Memphis, those teams that are on the bottom of that bracket that you would only play in the conference finals. So if you're going to have an injury as the number one seed, I guess you're happy that it's happened this early. But as you said, and as what happens with the postseason every year, this is the storyline who can stay healthy and who can get a little bit of luck, because that's the only way that you most times make it to the championship series and often win the championship. There's some injury luck involved there's some general luck involved, and obviously it helps if you're one of the best teams. Sometimes none of the previous things matter. You're just so damn good, you cruised to the championship. I don't think we have one of those teams this year. So if it's going to happen to the Suns, I guess they're probably happy that it happened when it did. Same thing for the Mavericks. They hope Luke is going to be back for game four, and he'll be able to respond if they need him to and win a couple games. The Bucs as well, now without Chris Middleton. How's that gonna fare for them against the gritty bulls? Again, we mentioned Alex Caruso. It's great that the Lakers didn't keep him. Oh, you want him on our team. They tie the series up at one-one. They're not just gonna fall down and, and take a, a sweep, maybe not even a gentleman's sweep. They're looking to, to win the whole damn thing against the Bucs. So again, not great for them to have their uh, Batman, their Robin to Giannis's Batman be injured either, however many games he'll have to miss. So that's what you have to do with these things. Cross your fingers that everybody comes into it healthy and then somehow stays healthy for three series and you could get to the NBA Finals. We got a couple teams now where we're going to have to keep an eye on what that's going to do for their, their prowess to advance to the next rounds just to get past just, the first round.
1: One quick comment on the West. When everybody was healthy, I thought there were only two teams that could come out of the West. One was obviously Phoenix. And secondarily, I gave a minimal shot to Memphis. But I tell you, what I saw tonight, when Memphis got up off the mat on the road, where they were being down 26 in Minnesota and came back and won game three to, in all probability, flip the series – it seems like they're back now. Morant's back. He's healthy. If he can keep himself off the floor. Uh, because tonight he was just I mean, nonstop. He's on the floor every two seconds. If they can stay healthy with what's happened to the Suns, I give them a chance, a legitimate chance to come out of the West. Because remember how well they were playing the second half of the season, even when Macha was out. They were playing tremendous basketball and jumped all the way into the two seed. So I could see them winning the West. If there is no Devin Booker. if it's a damaged Phoenix sun team who they would play, correct me if I'm wrong in the conference finals, but that means they would have to knock off golden state who would also have to knock off, um, Oh, sorry. They would have to knock off Golden State in the next round. Right. And now Golden State's hitting out all eight cylinders. Yep. But that could be one hell of a series. Um, I still think Phoenix, when healthy, is clearly the class of the conference. But, again, when Devin Booker comes back, how effective is he going to be? Right. Because you know he's going to push to come back as soon as he can. And we know at times we've seen guys push to come back. And what happens? They aggravate the injury again, you know, i.e. Kevin Durant. Uh, because Devin Booker is a brilliant player. Devin Booker is, from an offensive standpoint, and he's a decent defender. He's not a great defender. He's not an all-league defender. From an offensive standpoint, he is probably the closest thing we've seen to Kobe Bryant. It's not Kobe Bryant, but his ability to score in a variety of ways from all spots on the floor, catch and shoot, launch off the catch square up get his feet set get himself organized and the ability to face up so quickly off the dribble off the catch mid-range three he, he is not as strong as Kobe Bryant was going to the basket in terms of finishing dunking in traffic etc but he is an incredibly efficient and skilled and beautiful to watch offensive player because fundamentally he is incredibly sound and he's getting better all the time. But these injuries are a a huge bugaboo and these are the kind of injuries that can linger. We can't sit here and say to me now that Phoenix is still the favorite if Devin Booker's going to be out for three weeks. Am I saying Golden State's the favorite? No, I'm just saying right now the
0: West is up for grabs it would be surprising to see the Suns, just because it was surprising in general. Like John Morant went down for the Grizzlies for so long and they didn't miss a beat. They were playing better without him than they were with him. And that's just not to say John Morant's not wanted. It's just sometimes what happens in sports, the star goes down. You happen to get hot at the right time and people are able to make the joke. Oh, maybe John Morant was the reason they were getting held back. The Suns aren't going to have the luxury to be playing lesser talent some nights and be able to get those wins. You're in the playoffs now. So you're not going to be able to, well, we could rest him a little bit longer and maybe we could have him come back when he's ready. He might have to play depending on how the series are going. And as you're saying, it wouldn't be a shock to see the winner of the Golden State Memphis series, if things play out the way they're headed, be the team that makes it into the NBA finals if the Suns can't recover from what happens to Devin Booker. And that's not something we might have said before the postseason started. Although the Warriors were like a slow avalanche kind of coming down the mountain, picking up steam. And here they are back to what they obviously love to do. And Jordan Poole is turning into a third splash, brother. Great to see everybody excited. Golden State Jordan Western. Poole from Michigan is,
1: you know, the latest great young player uh, drafted and developed only 22, 23 years of age. And he's playing lights out. Now, granted, it's the first round. It's the He's had an excellent season. It's the first round. It's the Nuggets. They're clearly the better team. The Nuggets are shorthanded without Michael Porter Jr., without Jamal Murray, a wonderful young player who's still out after the knee injury last year, not coming back. So again, this is a mismatch. But what we're also seeing in this series, and yes, part of it is you know, he's, he's playing against the better team, but we look at the MVP candidates. You know the three big guys. Jokic, because of all the effectiveness ratings and numbers that you know so very much about, and I know nothing about, uh, is going to win again. And beat and Giannis will finish two, three, and whatever you want. I've told you all year long, and I thought all year long, and they're all great players. And I love Jokic. And obviously, we we love everything that Giannis does. He could be the MVP every year. They already won it twice, two times in a row. But the, you're seeing in these in this postseason now why MB should have been the MVP. MB is dominating. Again, it's the Raptors. Sixers are the better team. Raptors are banged up. But this is the big man playing big. He's kicking ass. And he is taking names. He's dominating the game inside. He's dominating it outside. You know, the knockdown three at the gun last night. To go up 3-0, and yes, they're the better team. And the Sixers around him are all healthy. And Maxie's playing terrific. And Harris is playing terrific. And Harden is not playing awful. All right? Um, So they're getting it from supporting cast, but he's making everybody better. He's passing that at double teams. He's beating people up inside and out. He's living at the foul line. And he is dominant. He's a load to deal with. He's undefendable right now. Granted, again, it is Toronto. And Jokic is playing against the better team. And Giannis is playing well, but hasn't been dominant against Chicago. So to me, this is further proof. I know the postseason doesn't count, but you know, the AWPI test does count. And I don't have a vote for the MVP, and we all know I should have one. Embiid should be the MVP, and we're seeing now, early on in this postseason, Philly up three-love, why he should be the MVP.
0: Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Switching to the other basketball kind of a bombshell announcement earlier this week when Villanova head coach Jay Wright decided to retire and hang it up. He's done. Six years old. I guess was ready for this decision to be made because of how quick the Villanova Wildcats moved in getting his successor because it was almost similar to what happened to Duke where it was like, here's our guy. Or North Carolina with... Here's our guy, this Kyle Neptune of Fordham University, is now the new head coach of Villanova, who was an assistant under Jay Wright. I guess that was kind of a groomed decision, as was the same case for Duke with Coach K and John Shire and North Carolina with Roy Williams and Hubert Davis. 13 months, the retirement of Roy Williams, then Coach K, then Jay Wright, two of the three, Decided to do so after the season, so they do not get the send-off. You know how I feel about the Coach K goodbye tour and being completely okay with it. I would have been okay with a Roy Williams goodbye tour, a Jay Wright goodbye tour, when Bill Self, Tom Izzo, Jim Boeheim, etc. retire. If they want goodbye tours, tip your caps and get your plaques and do your things. I'll be happy to clap and send you guys off. I'm fine with goodbye tours for the right people, and they definitely are under that. But in general, a surprising move, because when Coach K retired, the obvious discussion when this happened, same for Roy, is who were the coaches that are going to take that mantle as the faces of college basketball and the, the wise czars of college basketball and will be the ones to kind of carry the torch for the sport? Jay Wright was number one on the list, one of the three coaches that had won two national championships before Bill Self was able to win his with Kansas. In a way, kind of shocking how relaxed he was about the decision. Like, yep, I'm just retiring. It's time. Nobody really saw it coming. And down goes Jay Wright. What do you think? Uh, Shocked.
1: Surprised. Yeah. Longtime rival of Syracuse. So I say this grudgingly over the years. Uh, I always wondered, all the talk about Jay Wright you know, great young coach. You know, This is from the Hossford days where he built his reputation and then took the Villanova job and won a lot of games, got to a final four, didn't win a national title. And I was like, you know, okay, well, when's the pretty boy going to wash? You know, he's got all the fancy suits and he's a great looking guy, but you know, when's he going to get to a finals? Well, he shut me up because he won two. And, uh, Literally built Villanova into a juggernaut where, despite the fact that they didn't get, you know, top 10 recruits year after year after year, like Duke and Kentucky, he got good players and made them into, along with the player, into great college players. And I mean, guys who played the game. The way you want it is Josh Hart, uh, national champion, Jalen Brunson, national champion, uh, and now successful pros. The Phoenix kid, uh, who is national champion and a solid both ends of the ball pro and really does everything you want to see a player do and is getting better. These are the kind of guys that Jay Wright built that program on and turned them into champions, two time national champions. He is the best coach in college basketball, with no apologies to anyone. You know, the departed Coach K, Bill Self, my legendary coach who is never going to leave, Jim Behan. Jay Wright is the best coach in college basketball. He is a superstar, he is a great coach and built Villanova into a great program. Always a good program. Always a competitive program. The legendary national title under Raleigh Massimino, the upset of Georgetown in 1982. But now year after year after year, they're a national championship contender. That's Jay Wright. That's the recruiting. That's the team building. That's the coaching. He will be sorely missed at the collegiate level. because. Uh, I say this, you know, no pun intended. He is what's right. And there isn't much about college athletics in this day and age for the transfer portals, the never ending controversies over, you know, guys changing school, coaches running out the door for more money, et cetera. Uh, and Jay Wright didn't do that. Jay Wright stayed. Jay Wright went to national championships, went to four final fours. Is he going to go to the NBA? You know, he should be first on the Lakers list. The first calls I would make would be Jay Wright number one, Rick Pitino number two. But if it's just Jay Wright going to spend time with the family, and playing golf, and doing TV, and he does it at 60, God bless you. It's hard to fathom, though, because coaches, as you know, from interviewing them, having them on your show, listening to them, they love what they do. They... Live for what they do. And you can't become great at what you do if you don't have a mammoth, never-ending passion for what you do. I'm hoping as a selfish basketball fan that that's not the case because I love watching Jay Wright coach and I love watching his teams play because I love the way his team, even though I despise Villanova, I respect and admire the way they play. And that's because of Jay Wright. I hope he does whatever he wants to do, but I hope part of what he wants to do is come back and coach so I can watch his team some more. Uh, He's accomplished all you can accomplish at the collegiate level. He's been great for the game. His players love him. They swear by him. And uh, he will be sorely missed, plain and simple. Uh, Even by me, uh, despite the fact that I despise the Villanova Wildcats because he deserves my respect And my admiration in terms of what he's built, how he's built it, and the way he has always handled himself in absolute and complete scrutiny in Philly, a basketball town, Uh, he has never missed a beat in terms of dealing with the press, dealing with his fellow coaches, the fans obviously the way he's treated his players, he has always handled himself with the utmost professionalism and shown complete class in victory and in defeat. And
0: it's, it's a huge loss to the game. It's funny when we hear things like this, the first thing you think of is so soon. <laughs> it's only 60. I mean, that's at least 10 more years of coaching. Where are you going, Jay? You don't even have a reason for leaving. Why not stay? Where are you headed? are you going to go to the NBA? Like there's, there's obviously got to be somewhere else that he's headed or something else that he wants to do. There's no way he could just retire at 60. And then if you take a step back, it's like, Jesus, could you imagine being able to do what you love to land at Villanova coach there 21 years, win two national titles, get to the final four when nobody expected you to necessarily, and then just be able to say, I'm just going to enjoy the rest of my life and get to do the things I'm unable to do because I'm a basketball coach. What a dream that is. And here we are asking ourselves, where the hell are you going? There's no way you can leave this game behind. Look at Coach K. What did it take? Two, three weeks? He was already sitting courtside at the Celtics playoff game watching game two. Can't be away from the game for too long. You get the yips. You start itching. You get PTSD. You can't take it anymore, Jay. There's no way you can leave the game. Come to the Lakers. We'll find a place for you. And
1: I can dream. And here's what I can dream I can dream that Jay Wright brings. Showtime back and starts wearing those fancy suits. Yes. Enough of these sweatsuits and these, uh, uh, whatever these outfits are with the team logos on them that the coaches wear, the matching outfits. Let's get back to suits and ties on the sideline. I want to see Natalie Tired dressed to the nines. And the other method to the madness here is you know, Jalen Brunson's going to be a free agent. All right, that's part of the master plan. (laughs) You bring in Jay Wright, you alert Jalen Brunson to play for nothing for a year, all right, until Rush's contract is finally gone. Kyle Lowry want to come
0: still? Can we swing that? Or whoever you you bring in,
1: all right, to to fill the spot. And once that money comes off the cap, you pay Jalen Brunson, and he becomes your point guard now during the Jay Wright era.
0: We'll take any of the the randoms that you want to give us. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, he played forever. Bring him around. Ryan Arcadiaceno, have him come on the team. Uh, Connor Gillespie, he seemed to be with the team for 19 years. Have him come over now that he's actually done with school. Bring whoever you want with you, Jay. The door is open. The red carpet's out. Showtime's back. Whatever you want to give us. Real quick as baseball fans a baseball question for you for the situation that happened on Thursday when Miguel Cabrera still on 2999 as we record this came up to the bat for the Detroit Tigers in Detroit after going 0 for 3 they rallied for a couple hits they end up with the bases loaded no outs ground into a pitcher catcher first base 1 2 3 double play 1 2 3 1 2 3 1 2 3 double play So now there's two outs nobody on first a lefty on the mound, a lefty on deck, Miguel Cabrera coming to the plate, Aaron Boone intentionally walks him and angered the baseball gods so much after they gave him, Aaron Boone, baseball immortality for his game seven ALCS home run for the Yankees to beat the Red Sox. He slaps them in the face because he puts an intentional walk in play to load the bases for a guy looking to get his 3,000 hit at home, next guy comes up. That lefty gets a single. Little looper. Two-run score. Baseball gods say, nay, nay, Aaron Boone. We don't have your back this time. And the Yankees lose 3-0 because they scan score any he runs. Are you okay with the, well, obviously, it's the no-brainer baseball play to load the bases to get to the lefty with two outs. Where did you want to see Miggy hit? Throw him the ball and let's see what happens for him to get 3,000. Well, first of all, Elias has already
1: told us that Miguel Cabrera became the first player in Major League history to be intentionally walked while sitting on 2,999 hits. <laughs> what an honor. <laughs> how, they, how they know that, I have no idea. I have no problem with it. I mean, it, it's the first month of the season. This is not his last roundup. The season just say, he's going to have a multitude of at-bats to get his 3,000th hit. And it's also not a 7 nothing game. You're trying to win the game. Every run is vital here. It, it's the right move. It didn't work out, but it's absolutely the right thing to do. Your job is to win the game. Walk him. Look how many hits he's got. I don't how many hits he needs. This is not the last at bat of his career. It's ludicrous. I don't think Aaron Boone is the greatest manager in the world. Far from it. He does some shaky things, but exactly what I would have done. Although I would have made sure that you know, I got the next guy out. But <laughs> would you, know, nice, blue right? single, you lose three, nothing doesn't matter because you can't score anyway Can't score. No, but I, I don't understand what the, I mean, I should say, of course, we understand what the big stink is about. It's the modern day world.
0: How dare you? you know,
1: what are you doing? Let him hit. No brainer. No
0: problem. There you go. No, no brainer. I mean, well, let's just say that maybe the reason I was a little upset doesn't come from being a Yankees fan because you would be for walking him to load the bases to get to the lefty. How much did you have on Cabrera? Draft uh, Kings had a special for Miguel Cabrera to get his 3000 hit at plus 100. I mean, they only let us bet $10 for the promo. So I only lost 10 bucks. Maybe that's why I was a little angry that they walked his ass. Screw you, Aaron Boone. DraftKings made
1: you make the bet.
0: <laughs> I did it for the show. I did it for the listeners. That's I'm concerned with
1: you're Right. Cause, Cause you're a sick gambler which I used to be when I was your age. And fortunately, they didn't have any of this stuff that they have now because I told you many times I did it the old-fashioned way. It was more fun that way
0: anyway. feels all like right? it, yeah.
1: It was more fun going to the gold sheet. It was more fun breaking stuff down. Instead of all this stuff being in front of you and on the TV, you did your own work, you came up with your own system, you called your guy, and you made your place. And then you sat there all night on pins and needles, Waiting for every play to go, and, and then you, know, you get an early play in. Colin makes some more.
0: You lose an early
1: play. You call in a couple of trouble. Absolutely.
0: West Coast games, you're going to be asleep. You're not knowing who wins, so the paper gets delivered the next day.
1: Those are the and, days, st- folks. Colin, call Colin call Sports Phone. Look it up, folks. Sports Phone, Non-stop every two seconds for the scores. <laughs> oh man, oh man, a hey,
0: I tell you every time. If you need advice for that, not advice, because that's not me. Advice. I'm happy to take it and put a couple shekels down on your behalf and on behalf of the show. And on behalf of the listeners, Lund's funds is always looking for help and always looking to oblige. Al it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week.
1: Johnny great to be back with you uh, Folks From my part of the great John Tiny Lund, I am Renato, AK Alpha White Plains. Have a great sports weekend everybody
0: We'll be back at 8pm eastern time Here on Sports Radio America You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com And interact with the show there as well Or find us on the TuneIn app By searching for Sports Radio America You can also follow John Lund Under the same handle on Twitter At London Bridge Thanks again for listening